0: With that, I'd like to introduce Kevin Fine, the CEO of Jacarando, who will be chatting about their digital spaces. And I don't know, nothing like that. Okay. I hope it'll be interesting regardless. Tell us what you did last month. You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see so many faces. It's uh, Lance Rothschild in the back there. I see young Vicky Yankovic. Um, we know each other from, from, uh, from Tux. Um, uh, who else do I recognize? There's some of my team that are here. We were going to, oh, there they are. This, this, is, this is my rent-a-crowd team over here. Um, it's like a coming to, to Radio Days. I must say, um, I bumped into Steven Curtis, who I have the, the utmost respect for, having watched him uh, learn from one of the greats of radio. Um, and Steven says to me, "Ah, oh, aren't you Kevin Finder? You were at Smart FM 99.2. I said, yes, in stereo Max." And that it just reminded me that 25 years ago, uh, 24 years ago, that's 1995, I was at wits I'm an ex-voice of WITZI, which I'm very proud of. There's not many of us. Um, but it reminded me that, that I've been around for a while, and it's nice to be in a position, and, and I'm very grateful to uh, Prof Kruger and the Radio Days people for inviting me today, because I think the purpose of me being here today is not to tell you about what I do and how amazing Jacaranda is and the amazing team I've got, it's kind of to try and take us all to to the next level. Um, And I think if, if as we grow in any industry, whatever it is that you guys are doing, and I don't know what all of you do, but I think it's our responsibility to kind of send the lift down for everybody else. So that's how I approach today. And you know, when I put this this talk together, I actually put it together mostly for clients um, and to make money. And when I thought about doing it for today, what I thought about was actually, If we embrace all of these ideas, however you do them inside your stations or in the environments that you work in, and I don't know all of them, the principle behind it is to create infinity. And if you look at the program, the program is very official. It says to infinity and beyond, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I have to watch it. I've watched it like 19 times because I've got a five-year-old and now I've got a two-year-old. So Woody is like a big character in our house and very popular. And if you haven't watched Toy Story, I would highly recommend it. So, uh, you know, I did some research on the, the, the... concept over there, um, the content economy. And years ago when the content economy was phrased by like Accenture and all these smart people in, in the consultancies welcome um, and all that other kind of stuff, they would say, ah, oh, content economy, publishers are going to make money and it's, we're all going to be rich out of content and blah, blah, blah. And actually, the truth of the matter is that as radio has evolved, we've all embraced these concepts. But the truth is, that it's not so much just about the money behind it, but it's an economy that we need to understand, and not just for us, but for people outside of us. What we see ourselves as, hopefully, are experts in content, which is why we hire great radio presenters, which is why we procure the best music, which is why we try and get the best news out, which is why we try and have the best digital platforms, and I'll touch on some of those later. But is there anybody in newspapers here today? Because my next slide's quite vicious. Okay, good. So so, um, if you don't want to learn anything, um, we'll happily put a tombstone anywhere in this graveyard for you because there's plenty of space. And this, this is not just for radio, but this is for business in general. I think what, what we've learned and what we've seen in the, in the newspaper industry in particular is that they thought they could do one thing on print and they could do the same thing online. And that lesson has been very clear that you cannot because content firstly is not something that you just say, all right, we'll, we'll do this on, on, in, in one platform and we're going to do the same thing on another platform. That world has moved on. And all you young people know this far better than I do. But what we're seeing, and and I was laughing earlier, I'll share this with you. Um, I was ex-Vitzi, as I was telling you. the last time I really did any statistical analysis was Sociology two. We had to do a qualitative and quantitative research paper on, uh, I don't know, I think the the variables I used were um, job satisfaction, and I I I did a thesis at SAA, and we had to do all this, this uh, data, and uh, what was the probabilities and so on, and I don't think I've ever done a statistical thing ever since second year university, which is 1994, right? Sorry, 1993. So what my life has become, and everybody refers to me as, as what do you guys call me at work? Kevzololo. <laughs> they call me Kevzololo. Um, and people call me the station manager, and, and they would have called Lance the station manager, but you're not a station manager anymore because managing a station is actually completely not what I do. I've become a data expert. I've become a manual data analysis expert. And I like to call that, that analysis the breadcrumbs that get left behind us all the time. And unfortunately, with radio, those breadcrumbs are hard to find, but our digital world has evolved so well that we're able to understand a million things. And I've just sat with uh, Francois owner. Uh, And I'll tell you, I'll I'll articulate a little bit more about why I'm talking to him, and if you don't know what Iona is, it's one of the biggest podcast platforms in South Africa, and I think in Africa. The point being that all of this is going on right now, right? This is live. That is a live view of Facebook users, 2.4 billion at the moment, Pinterest users, Skype calls going on, photos uploaded today, YouTube videos viewed today. And so that economy is taking place. One slide ahead of myself. And that economy is affecting our businesses, not just radio, but all businesses. And you'll see, I love this slide. If you can't see it at the back, that little, that, that little kiss is the kiss of death. So radio has, has been a very profitable business. If you look at the, the likes of the SABC, Prime Media, Kegiso Media, um, there's, there's tons of stations that have done incredibly well, and there's another 250 community stations which have really struggled, right? Mostly supported by GCIS. The point of the matter is, if your business is doing well now, and and this is why I refer to newspapers, it's all good. But if you want your business to accelerate, then you've got to hit that point over there, because if you wait till this point, you will die. And that's a very scary proposition for any business. Now, because radio's had such a great advantage, and particularly a station like Jacarand FM, which came out of of the SABC, it's got a 30-year history. It's not as big as Ukazi, it's not as big as Metro, but because of the size of these audiences, we have the opportunity to to basically make money out of them, however we can right so there's a principle behind that that the more audiences you gather the more potentially money you can make so I want to speak to that in a bit but the underlying problem is that when you consider what the content economy is it's an entire economy happening around us we all speak about macroeconomics and my are there any news people here not one. Good. I mean, the microeconomics of the country and the macroeconomics and the GDP and, and everybody's left our, our president to, to, to himself. And actually, part of our role and certainly my role as a South African and not just as a, as a head of a, a big media agency is to ensure that we help carry the, 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 the thoughts and the ideas and the actual outcomes of the National Development Plan 2030. And if we're committed to that, then we have to start thinking smart and we have to be, we have to be thinking fast because if we wait around, we're gonna get stuck like the newspapers. So what, what potentially is the solution around this? And this is what I like to call my very beautiful ecosystem, and I'll explain the whole ecosystem to you, particularly from a radio point of view, because most of you, I'm guessing, are in the industry. So, on the left, you have a brand. Anybody name a brand for me? Any brand, any brand? <laughs> Who, what? No, 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 an advertising brand, an advertising brand. And somebody younger than, than Lance, please. Yeah, this lady who came in late. What's a, what's a brand that you love? Um, a brand that I love, could it be anything? Yeah. Anything. Okay, Mac. Mac, oh, makeup. You look very good in it, by the way. <laughs> so the way radio used to work and the way that our salespeople and people like Neil in front over here used to sell radio was they would go to Mac And they would say to Mac, we've got such an amazing audience. This is when they listen. This is how long they listen. This is potentially how many males and females we've got. We're brilliant. And here's a rate card which justifies the the number that we're going to charge you in order for you to buy our airtime. And then some idiot at Mac would go, oh, that's brilliant. We're definitely going to buy your airtime, right? And sorry, I hope there's nobody from Mac here. And then they would say, oh, but hold on a second, now this is probably a long, So I'm excluding all the millennials here and I'm going to go back to a point in time where when the internet started, we used to speak about eyeballs. So you guys at the back, the the strong looking guys with with the beards over there serving that beer, you're probably serving craft beer after this, am I right? (laughs) right? So so what we used to speak about on the internet, I like to call it the interweb was eyeballs. And we would say things like, we've got 68,000 eyeballs on our website, which actually meant 32,000 people, right? But it was our, it was, it was our currency. <laughs> so the older people in the room will remember this, right? We didn't know about bounce rates, we didn't know about hit rates, we didn't know about heat maps, we didn't know about welcome guys. Um, we didn't know about any of these things. And so what Mac would do is they would say, cool, we'll buy an airtime campaign from you and we'll be on air. And then somebody at Mac would hear the advert, Mac, the most amazing makeup for the lady in pink, right? <laughs> And they'll go, oh, look, our sales have gone up. Or, oh, our sales haven't gone up. Let's try something else, right? But then the radio stations will go, oh, but wait, don't just buy time. There's more. We'll give you added value on our website because we've got 68,000 eyeballs on our website at the moment, right? And so that ecosystem has evolved. And I'll, I'll describe each of the, the components of this and why they're important and why we're using this as a principle and why I believe in order to survive and in order to succeed as businesses and in terms of what we offer our clients, we have to adopt these kinds of thinking. So don't take this as the, the uh, opus mantis of what you're going to do, but take it as a guideline on how we need to be thinking about the way we approach radio and how, what we do and how we compete against not only creative agencies but booking agencies, because we've got to outsmart them. They're coming for us. They're coming for us, and in the survival of the fittest, The fittest wins right i'd said to my team now they call themselves purple warriors which i think is quite funny right purple warriors but either you are the pack or you are food what you don't want to be is food right so if we're a pack of radio people and we go out to hunt the key of behind all of this is that while we've got the brand on air and we've given them our eyeballs what's next and how do we embrace all this rubbish and I, i like to call it rubbish that people are feeding us about New media. I hope nobody calls it new media anymore. Please tell me nobody calls it new media. Digital (coughs) platforms isn't called new media. So, we went and built two platforms. And I know Neil was involved with, uh, um, over here, was involved with a podcast platform. I can thoroughly guarantee you, without a doubt, and I don't care what anybody else has said, and they're not going to like this, they're not making money out of podcasts. Okay, Nobody. If you go and Google it now, in fact, you can all do it. Take out your phones if you don't have to. But on this side of the room, you can Google U.S. podcast economy. The number that I, that I came up with when I researched it was $314 million being spent on podcasts. It's real. Go and Google podcast economy South Africa. It's zero. Don't kid yourself. A podcast is not sellable, and it's worth nothing as far as I'm concerned. Because on its own, it's a completely unilateral platform that has no place to go, Right? But why is it important? Because it's easily shareable content, right? Because we live in a recommendation economy. Who here's got Netflix? Showmax? When was the last, lo- what's your name? Olani. When was the last time you watched a show on Netflix that somebody didn't recommend to you? You actually found a show worth watching. He's, he's a unicorn, people. I have, in in the entire time that we've moved from this non-linear way of consuming uh, content, whether it's audio or video, I've not watched one thing that somebody hasn't recommended to me or listened to one thing. The favourite thing that I've listened to in terms of podcast is uh, a guy by the name of Reid Hoffman, co-CEO of LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. and he's got a, a great podcast called Masters of Scale. It's the most brilliantly produced, unbelievable podcast, and it really resonated with me, but I would never have found it on my own, right? So so the unfortunate part of podcasting in South Africa is it's important, but as a standalone item, it's a failure. And everybody who's working in that business space now is probably doing great stuff, but they're basically doing it for free. Because I don't see, and if it was that, I don't see how you make tons of money out of it. And if if there was tons of money, believe me, we're the biggest radio station revenue-wise in the country, we'd be making it. So I can absolutely guarantee you, don't kid yourself. Tell them I'm busy. So. I'm gonna get to, get to how this all connects, right? So, so we built Jackpod. It just happens to be called Jackpot. It's not supposed to be Jackaran FM, but it is a, it's an agnostic podcast platform to procure great content and to share it with people. And remember, I've put in an ecosystem, so it's not a standalone thing. This ecosystem all works together. You saw how all the cogs turn each other. Anybody ever opened up a car engine? You've, have you opened up a car engine? Not you. Anyone here? Where's the technical people in the room? He's opened up a car engine. You know how it works. You know how the carburetor pumps. You know how the pistons work. You know how it, uh, when you turn on the car, it ignites it, and then it pumps fuel and oil into the engine so that it works, right? That is how the system works, and that's why I'm, I'm trying to explain it and, and take care with it. So, so Jackpot has very famous people on there, familiar people, right? So as an example, there's Brent Lindeke. If you don't know who Brent Lindeke, or Lindeke, I he can, calls it, is the top blogger in the country. He is... Uh, famous on a number of platforms, and I use him as an example later. But we brought Brent, Brent on. We couldn't bring, what's your name? Copano, you're famous. Right, then we, we don't want your podcast. <laughs> not for any other reason. It's, it's like, okay, so Kopano made a TV show called Game of Shaka Zulu, right, for example. And she puts it on TV, and everyone goes, no, we're not watching that. But put Game of Thrones on and pay millions of rands to bring it to South African people, will watch, why? Because people know it, it's familiar, they've spent millions and gazillions of money on marketing it. So familiarity is important in terms of podcasts, so keep that in mind. The next thing that we did, and this is where we show that radio works, because I got sick of people telling me, and, and I'll use a few examples, Travel Start, Lulaland, um, and who was the other one, are. I got sick of all these digital people. Firstly, they insulted me by telling me that radio was offline, which was the first complete insult. I said, how dare you call radio offline? They said, well, online is online, and radio and TV are offline. It's like, okay, well, in that, con- in that context, I understand. Don't take it personally. So being an offline medium, how would we track the progress of an ad campaign with a company like TravelStart, Start, who can track everything on the web? Every single thing, when people come, when they transact, how much they transact for, how long, how, how short, what was the point at which they exited, why did they come, how did they get there, through which channel did they come, they could track everything. So we decided, in that endeavour, to create a retail mall. Now the retail mall is just like Sandton City, who's married here? Right, so when your wife says to you, she's going to Sandton City to get coffee at Nespresso, how many other stops, shops does she stop at? Like Twelve, thirteen? Men are different, right? Men are very specific. When I go shopping, I don't know about the men in the room, when I tell my wife I'm going to Nespresso to get coffee, I go to Nespresso, I get coffee, I come home. My wife says she's going to Nespresso, we've got to stop at Mr. Price, then we've got to go past Zara, and there's a sale at Woolworths, and I've got to get a card from Cardi's. So what was the mall about? The mall was about creating an environment to show how to transact, or how we could drive people from social media platforms or our on-air platform to a transaction portal. And why was that important? Because it could show proof that our campaigns work, which is what influencers think they can do, but I'll get to that in a little while. So the retail mall was a space, and and why it's in the middle of that ecosystem is because everything on each side of it should be driving people towards a transaction portal where we can measure our success. I've looked, and I'll go all the way to the end now, that last little slide over there is micro-influencers. I know it's a terrible slide, but I've looked at the so-called micro-influencing game or macro-influencing game. Anybody here an influencer? I'm about to ruin your career a little bit, I'm sorry. Because influence. Oh, you? Oh, no, he's a top 200 in the Mail and Guardian, sitting next to another top 200 in the Mail and Guardian, but not influential. So, so, so wow. not yet. Not. I'm throwing proper shade at the influencing game, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because I've done the research. I'm not I'm making this stuff up. So, what is influence really about? Can you absolutely say. So if you you went shopping to get Supaga shoes right, and you said, these are the best shoes, I love them, they're white, they're thick, and then you went to your friend and said, I want you to go and buy another pair because you're not wearing Supaga. What are you wearing? Now you're a failed influencer. (laughs) Failed, right? You were supposed to influence her to buy the best shoe, but she doesn't want that shoe. So what the influencing game has turned out to be actually is a volume game. And I I can absolutely with certainty say that volume is not a determinant of success. It's a guarantee I don't want to use the examples of the people that I've researched because they're close to me and I know a lot of them but because somebody has three million followers or hundred a hundred thousand followers does not determine their level of influence all it tells you is that they have a lot of people who follow them and I'll tell you the difference between an influence and a famous person famous people have less influence than influencers why because influencers are people who are absolutely committed to a particular thing that they're in love with whether it's cooking travel cars toys Uh, It could be radio, and these people, the people who follow them are absolutely interested in their content. They're not interested in them because they're famous, like Ronaldo, who's got 44 million followers on on, uh, Instagram, right? How many? It's changed since yesterday, 170 million. So here's the key to influencers, and this is what you guys need to understand, and again, we should be able to understand this, is that influencers should be measured by the engagement rate. Same as radio, same as us all because to tell people I've got a million followers and you're going to charge, I'm gonna charge you 500,000 Rand for me to send out a tweet or a post for you. And you say, all right, you charge me 500,000 Rand, but I'm gonna see how many people you can get to buy my Superga shoes, Gabbana. No? Mm-hmm. And if nobody buys, how influential are you? That's my point. So let's go backwards from, from, from the micro-influencers to YouTube. And why I've put all these social platforms on that side is very specific. Because the team that I work with know very, very well that creating content, and I'll go back to the newspaper example, creating content is a platform agnostic environment. You have to be sure that every piece of content that you create, whether it's for radio, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram or Twitter, or for an influencer, is completely different. Mm-hmm. Now, you're probably thinking, well, how can it be different? The fact of the matter is that something that works on Facebook is not necessarily going to work on Twitter. And something that works on Twitter is not going to work on Instagram. And so this platform, this platform or uniformity that clever brand people at all these big FMCGs have been applying is like, oh, we're going to launch a new brand. We're going to do the same campaign on Facebook, Twitter, on air, and we're going to do it on Instagram, and we're going to get influencers. And then it's a failure, and they're like, I can't understand. Now inside all of our environments, inside all of your environments, what there should be are people who absolutely and implicitly understand not only not only what these platforms do, but how to use them, how to track them, and what kind of content to create for them, which is why you shouldn't have a video of longer than 35 seconds. I saw a great piece of content from the BBC Radio 1 the other day, who I have the utmost respect for. right? The BBC Radio 1, get, get and I'm going back to the Toy Story example, they get Tom Hanks, and they sit Tom Hanks down and they get kids to ask him questions. So were you naughty when you were a kid. As a radio segment, it was seven minutes long. It was phenomenal. And they had the two hosts, and he was answering questions, it was brilliant. But as a video segment, at 7 minutes and 32 seconds, it's a fail, because after 1 minute 30, I'm out. I don't care what the rest of the questions are. And if somebody at BBC, Radio 1, the center of freaking entertainment in the world, had said, this is not going to work online, and they had smart people, like again, like I work with, they would have got that piece of content right. And they would have made it different for Insta, because they would have done a story. And they would have made it different for Twitter because they would have put up a segment of the video and dragged them to their website so they could increase their website stats. Now, I'm, I'm saying all of this, but I want to prove a point to you all, right? It's the same for YouTube, it's the same for Twitter, the same for Facebook. That content has to be so specific, and it's got to have a place where we get people to transact back to, whether it's on-air or online. So, I'm going to brag a little bit, but I, the school board never lies, as I tell my team, Right? Jacaranda FM is the number one radio website in the country and I'm excluding ENCA because they're actually a news website but if you go and look at the stats number one by country mile we have as many people on our website as we do listening to us it's a million people a month result right narrative will give you another score, but according to beledi over there they're underscoring us by 30% so if you want the Google Analytics we'll give them to you we are the number one YouTube channel in the country we have 25,000 subscribers and we have 24 million video views I think that's the number today the top YouTuber in the, in the country, incidentally, is Latest Sightings, so He has almost a billion video views. And second is The antwort, but they've only posted 52 videos, which is very impressive, because their video to YouTube ratio is phenomenal. The point I'm trying to make is that every single piece of content that we've created on YouTube is our own content. It's not shared content, it's not the rubbish of the guy who was caught speeding at 321 kilometers an hour on the highway. It's personally made content that 400,000 people a month are accessing uniquely to view. That's a result. And that comes out of smart content creation, seeding it in the right places, and making sure that we're getting those hits back to our website, to our transaction portal. And the next level of that is then saying to people, why don't you buy this product on our mall because we're discounting it for you. And I gave this example to Jamison, so I'll use them as an example. So Jamison's were uh, launching the Game of Thrones White Walker Whiskey. Who watches Game of Thrones here? I've never watched, so I just know who Khaleesi is. So the Johnny Walker White Label was a new brand that they were launching. And if you freeze the bottle, apparently it says, um, winter is here. I don't know. What does it cost? Do you know? About uh, $399. Okay, oh, no, $399. Anyway, what, they, I said to them, what's your Twitter following? They said, $3,516. we are going to do a Twitter campaign and we're going to... I said to why? I've got 376,000 people in the Jacarone FM Twitter uh, um, community. And then another 370,000 in our news uh, community. Why don't you use that? No, no, no. I said to her, but you've also got legislation, so the difficulty with alcohol, of course, is that you can't advertise in the morning. So how do you have an always-on strategy? There it is. Because what they could have done, and here's, I'll just articulate an example. What they could have done, was they could have done a 10-part series identifying all the different types of Johnny Walker whisky, right? Black, white, red, green, purple, pink, and polka dots, I don't know how many colors there are, there's a whole lot of colors. And they could have got a whisky expert to do a five-part series of beautiful whisky content, and I'm a whisky lover, I'd love to hear that, right? Not on its own, but together. What they could have done is they could have put a brand video on on YouTube and said, if you would like to buy this Johnny Walker before anybody else in the country, go to this mall and we'll give you 40% off. That would have been a nice deal, right? They could have run their air campaigns late at night. We could have got a whiskey micro-influencer to test the whiskey against other whiskeys or do a blind taste test with absolute content that wasn't about being famous, but about understanding how different this whiskey was from all the other whiskeys. What we could have done is an Instagram story of seeing whether you could actually identify the different tastes, because you know, everybody says whiskey tastes the same. It's like me and wine. Wine tastes like sour grapes to me, which it is, but it does. It, it's 25 already. Oh my God. So I, I'm spending a lot of time on this because I think when it comes to creative agencies, we are creative agencies, you, all of you. You're the people that should be taking money off the table from all those creative agencies there, out there by saying, we understand content and we can do this for you. Mm. We, can do it. We, we have got the right people. We've got all the crazies in the room with the tattoos. We've got all the people who understand content. I don't mean it in a horrible way. I mean no, it in a really... No, took it as a no, it is a compliment. <laughs> because we need, we need this amongst us. Why should an agency go and why should a a client go and pay two million rand for a brand campaign from some stinking ad agency? And they're going to hate me for this, but it's the truth. Why? Because if we want to survive, it's us versus them. And why should we allow some stinking, uh, 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 sorry, I'm thinking a bit nasty, why should we allow some digital agency of some, you know, I I use the expression marketing chicky you know, who's, who's done social media as a course at Vega, who's now gonna I- implement your policy, and you say to somebody, yeah, well, we've got this whole ecosystem for you, and they're like, no, 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 we've got it covered. We've got to be, in some ways, aggressive and assertive about our ability to deliver on not just our community needs, but also on, on client needs. And I think you guys need to really give that a lot of thought and space to that time in your environments. So here's perfect examples. I mentioned Brent before. Does anybody recognize any of the other people on the screen? Gary V finally. Do you know how much it costs to come to South Africa? Because I asked. I phoned his agent in, in New York uh, by the name of Zach Nadler. He's like, hey, Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm like, I'd like to bring Gary Vaynerchuk to South Africa. Sorry, that's him over there on the, on the far left. Gary Vaynerchuk is uh, $250,000, first class seat, and a business class seat for his cameraman. <laughs> Just so that you know, right? But what's the similarity between Robbins, Kiyosaki, Brent, and Gary V? What's your name? Ken Solomon. Solomon. No. What they've embraced is that they're not one-trick ponies, right? The one-trick pony is the guy who's doing a podcast who thinks he's going to make money. The one-trick pony is the YouTube creator who thinks that with his 12,000 fans, he deserves an Audi from Audi. One Apple, or whatever it's called. The one-trick pony is the person who thinks they can be absolutely linear in their approach to reach and scale. And radio has to understand this better than anybody else. You have to be multidimensional. And that's why that ecosystem is so important for us as people who produce content, not just for our clients. We have to be on all those platforms very smartly. We've got to be on Facebook smartly. We've got to be on YouTube smartly. We've got to be on LinkedIn smartly. We've got to be on Twitter smartly. We've got to be on Instagram smartly. Right? And if you look at a guy like Brent, Brent Brent is a Facebook hoe right? I mean, I've never seen a guy post so many pictures and videos before, but he's busy. He blogs, he videos, he, he, he's on YouTube, he's on Facebook, he's on radio. He understands the multidimensionality that's required to build a brand. And I don't care if you're Mahi King FM or YFM or 5FM or Jackaran FM, that is what is needed to survive. And not just to survive, but to succeed. But you've got to be good at it. And the example I used with people at a marketing expo that I spoke at the other day is, who do you go to when you need your finances done? Any accountancy, i guarantee guaranteed there's none. But who do you go to when you need your finances done? You go to the chief financial officer, right? So why, when it comes to content, do we see all these these pictures of these CEOs going, hi, I'm Mike and I represent this company. And this is gonna be amazing content for you to consume because I'm the head and you should buy a product. I mean, I've got choice words for that, Mark, right? Your content's got to be on point. It's got to be very clear in terms of its offering. It's got to have high incentive, and it's got to have a great call to action. Those are the, those are the critical points of good content. And anybody who doesn't understand that, I'm saying internally we've got to understand that. When we put content on air, you've got to ask yourself, is this the stuff, and, and online, is this the stuff of a great radio station? Is this the stuff of a great company? Because if it's not, don't put it on. And our team will tell you, I've sent back... 20 iterations of different things we put a more video on the other day and i eventually realized they didn't have subtitles on why because we all watch facebook in silent mode well there's a crappy meeting going on right god this is boring i'll scroll through facebook oh look there's something with subtitles i'll read that so every way that we think has got to be to embrace the people around us that we want to attract and also to assist the people that we want to help so this is basically what i'm saying i'm saying you've got to accelerate You've got to innovate and you've got to collaborate. But don't get it wrong, people, please. Because everybody else is like, oh, we're going to build an innovation hub in our business. And then they put some guy like Vicky in charge of innovation. And then they're like, well, what are you doing for innovation? They go, no, 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 no. Vicky's in charge of innovation. She must do it. Innovation is a culture. Innovation is a culture that you cultivate inside of your building. And what we've done at Jacarene as an example is we've built what I like to call a fearless organization. I'm particularly proud of the fact that everybody gets a say in how the station runs. And that's changed, I can tell you, when I got there eight years ago, and Lance will remember this, the bosses made the decisions, we implemented the strategy and we told everybody what to do. And now we have a strategy that's compiled by the entire organization. We have an environment where people can say, hey, I've got an idea. And you've got to encourage that inside your organization. It's a massive culture. Innovation is not going to come from the CEO. Innovation is going to come from the strangest places. Zess over there in the corner decided one day that we should have, uh, what are they called, POs? An invoice you have to raise an invoice digitally because we used to have these books what's it called yeah but we used to have the system where when you had to invoice a client you had to write this manual thing and it would take hours and then you'd have to hand the paper to this person and that person and they said why don't we do this digitally innovation is not a job innovation is a culture the key to to acceleration is to be able to, to go to your business and external business and say we're here with you we're not just a platform to, 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 to give content and to share the rubbish with, we're here to work with you. We want to accelerate your business, we want to accelerate our staff. And the third part of that, and, and Lance will know this because he's been around for long enough, we come from a world, us oldies, and, and Lance is a lot older than me, but we come from a world where the world was like, it was like this, this is my shit, this is my shit, and I'm going to protect it as hard as I can, and that's your shit, right? And that world has moved on so fast, Lance, it's an amazing place to play in at the moment. Because right now what I'm saying is, share your shit, basically, right? I'm saying, go to somebody who's got better skills than you and say, I need your help. I want to work with you because together the sum of the parts are greater than the whole. And that's a great place to be in, especially because everything's accessible. There's an infinite amount of people you can communicate with. And that's why I like the expression to infinity and beyond. There's an infinite amount of opportunities. There's an infinite amount of audience. There's an infinite amount of things that you might be able to do. So I, encourage, I would encourage those three things. You have to get your hands dirty and you have to be prepared to fail. And I know every entrepreneur will tell you this. Ah, oh, you must learn to fail, and fail fast, and all this kind of rubbish. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get your hands dirty and you don't experiment with this stuff, you will never, ever learn. And I promise you, I have experimented. The team will tell you, I've tried a gazillion things. Why was I speaking to Francois from I- IONO? Because I wanted to know, firstly, how many streams does Jack Arena get in a month? So he tells me, we get a million streams a month. Wow, that's a lot of streams, right? People listening to us online. How many of those are in South Africa? 700,000. How long are people listening for? Two hours and 20 minutes. How many of those people are male and female? Half. Where are they listening from? These cities. And what time of day do they access our content? Eight o'clock's the highest point. Now with that data, do you understand what I'm able to do with my business? I'm able to go to anybody in the world and say, we have two different audiences. We've got people listening on FM, and we've got people listening on digital, and when DAB eventually comes to South Africa, which may never happen, we are in the process of being able to monetize that. So if you live outside of our broadcast uh, frequency, and you live in uh, Cape Town, we'll be able to deliver your weather to you online, and your traffic, and we're gonna do it. And we're gonna show up all those other radio stations around the country who think they're so good. Not, not because we think they're bad, but because we think we're better. Because we do a great product and people are very happy. And why should other communities not have hyper-local content for themselves? So we're going to go into KZN, and we're going to go into Free State, Northwest, Northern Cape, Western Cape, who have I left out? Um, Eastern Cape was a bit shady. There's nothing goes on there, so I'm just teasing. But, but because we've got the data to support our entry into those markets, I'm absolutely confident, and remember I use the word breadcrumbs. I'm not guessing anymore. I know that we have 118,000 streams coming out of Cape Town every month and I know exactly where to go and find those people and I need to say if you 118,000 people like us I'm quite sure there's another 118,000 people who don't know about us who will listen to us and we'll get them and we'll monetize them and that is the clue to this content economy and that's why I go back to the fact that I'm a data analyst I'm not a radio station manager and I'm not a I'm not a boss so finally and I love this slide because everybody thinks it's about winning and actually it's not about winning it happens to be the French football team winning the World Cup. But my reference here is to FIFA. And, and you know, FIFA is just an amazing model. Did anybody watch the Women's World Cup? No. Who won last night? Netherlands. Netherlands won. Oh, If you watch that England-USA uh, uh, game, it was one of the finest games of football I've watched. It had excitement, it had drama, it was amazing. But look what FIFA have done for women's football. Mm. Full stadiums, broadcast rights, tons and billions of people viewing online. Billions of people going to their website and they've built this product and they understand the value of their content so well. They are winners because they have the biggest TV audiences, the most money, all the other sports federations are trying to follow in their footsteps, right? They've really blazed a a trail for the others. But the ICC, uh, rugby, all the others are trailing so far behind them. They've built such an economy for themselves because they understand the value of their content. And that is my hope for all of you, that you understand the value of your content, that you're able to accelerate, collaborate, and innovate, that you go back to your environments and you embrace others. You embrace an ecosystem that works for your business as radio, and for the people that you service as well, and obviously for your listeners, because that is ultimately who we serve. And I I guess my hope for everybody is that we don't land up like newspapers, and I'm certainly going to be here to my dying day, raising a flag for radio, that, that we're all there together. So thank you for listening and thanks for coming. Please tell me you don't have any questions. Not I'm joking. I'm happy to answer questions. Uh, questions? We have a couple of minutes before lunch. Oh no, the clever dick in the front. There's always one. Uh, Kev, thanks for that. Um, from uh, Obviously, you've shown us an entire ecosystem there, and, uh, you touched on the importance of building the, those ecosystems, but I want to understand obviously the money show me the money, as you often say to me. So are you mon- are you actively monetizing those platforms? Absolutely. Are you are you are you doing it sort of in a packaged way? Uh, or, or, or are you finding that you Like you said, you can't just sell podcasts. Correct. Is that how you're doing it? You're sort of doing integrated 360? Absolutely. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. And remember, this is not just a client interface. This is our own radio stations interface. We've got to be sure that we're delivering for our brands on air, for our brands on social, and driving them back to a place where we want them to be. Most of our traffic that we drive comes back to Facebook. For a client, it might be we just want brand presence and we want people to download our voucher or download our app. It might be that they want to actually show sales. So, for example, if we, if we wanted to sell a new champagne made by Bonang, um, and we said to Bonang, make it exclusive to them mall, and you could put it on there and run a full campaign across all those metrics and say we can absolutely take supply chains of the, the liquor companies out and you can just service the stuff yourself at half the cost, why not? The key, and that's why I said you've got to get your hands dirty, is to experiment. We're doing, uh, we're doing work with but several companies from near-field communication, education, security. Um, We're looking at CBD oil, which is the next big thing in this country. Tons and tons of investments in Lesotho and Swaziland and now in Atlantis and Cape Town. So, yes, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. You have to apply, firstly, what the client needs, but most importantly is that you guys have to apply this to your station needs and then also to be able to do it for clients you have got a proof of life. King Solomon. Uh, Sir, I have a question. Yes. Directly to you. Yeah. Why do you wake up every day, sir? So you're asking for my purpose. So I'll, I'll share it with you, and I've I mentioned it at a team building a while ago, but I don't think some of the team are working here. So a, as a youngster, I always believed that my purpose in life was to entertain people, literally. And from a young age, I would perform for my parents and their family. As you know, you've all got kids in your family who do that. And as I got older, I realized much later in life how much I loved radio, and then I got behind a microphone and absolutely love doing that. And then I got to Jacaranda, so I won't give you the whole story, but, but my purpose at Jacaranda is very much the same. It's just evolved a lot further because I see my purpose as being a great South African citizen and embracing the radio station to build our, build our country positively. I see it as a place of providing great entertainment and happiness. The one thing, and, and I'll share this with you guys, that I'm most proud of, the, so, so, and I'll, I don't even know if my team knows this, but we're going to give 10 kids hearts on Nelson Mandela Day, right? We're going to raise 400,000 Rand and we're going to do 10 heart operations at the Nelson Mandela Hospital. We're literally going to give life to 10 people. But it wasn't enough. So I see the radio station as a place to, to, to catalyze other people into doing good deeds. And we've always done that, within, and the concept behind it has been using it for sustainability. So the week later, what we're going to do is we're going to launch a, a water project in Lompopo. It's called Play Pumps, where kids pump water into communities. And why that was so important for me is because I'm differentiating between charity and sustainability. If you can give a community water for life and train kids and and schools how to keep and maintain that pump, we won't have a problem of water in Limpopo. Now, we've got a massive network that we use, radio, online, all all those things there, that we use to do that. And those are the things I'm most proud of. So I'm standing here telling you about our metrics and how wonderful we are. But the fact that we're going to do 100 schools and make sure that they get water gives me purpose. It gives me purpose that I'm doing the right thing for the people I work with. It it, it expresses my values as a a human being and expresses my, my, my desire to make South Africa a better place. And I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but that is my truth.